everyone. Welcome to the Bonner Breakdown. This is episode 16 with Sage Dixon. Uh, before we get into the episode, we always want to start off every episode with the cheers to the good report. Um, and so we, we thank our, our main uh, season sponsor, Ting, for bringing us this episode today. And uh, one of the questions that we get is, how is Ting different? right from other internet service providers well ting is crazy fast it's the fastest internet access available today it is really reliable there is no lag no downtime no bandwidth hogging uh, and it's true fiber to the home every home and business uh, we connect on uh, every ting network has its own fiber optic connection to the internet right there at the house and what this allows is true what they call symmetrical gigabit internet it upload as fast as you download be a contributor um, to the internet as much as you're a consumer on the internet and of course here at the bonnet breakdown we're a contributor to the internet and um, one of the things that ting does well uh, as well is that they have a pricing promise no price creep no contracts no tricks ting does not play those games. So with that, um, go to ting.com slash Sandpoint and get your uh, crazy fast fiber internet. Uh, if you're already using Ting, congrats. Uh, if you um, need to uh, need to register on there to get it when it comes to your neck of the woods, go ahead and do that. You'll get a discount on installation to get fiber right to your house. So with that, uh, we say thanks to Ting. Uh, you know, I want to uh, say thank you to the housing agency. As always, Bonner Community Housing Agency. You can find out about program services at bonnerhousing.org. Um, I want to get into the good report. And I love basketball. I had the, I had the privilege to go see a Gonzaga game uh, last weekend. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a blast. I went with a friend. And... You know, one of the things that um, that uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed playing basketball. I love watching basketball. It's my favorite sport. And uh, with that, uh, our girls high school, Sandpoint High School girls went to state um, and um, did a phenomenal job um, at state. So we just want to say thank you so much to the coaching staff, to everybody who helped out our Sandpoint High School girls get to the state uh, competition. They did very well there. And uh, we, so we just say uh, cheers to the Sandpoint High School girls basketball team. And uh, you are the good report. Good job. Congratulations. And uh, we look forward to seeing your future success for each of you in all of your endeavors. So with that, raise your cup, your mug, your water bottle, whatever you got that has liquid in it. Could be any liquid you want. I really uh, prefer coffee uh, in my ting <laughs> mug so with that grab your cup let's go ahead and take a take a cheers to the good report ting now let's uh let's go ahead and sip oh when we all do it together it just tastes so much better so thank you so much all right with that um i'm going to jump into a great lengthy um uh, not lengthy, but substantive uh, conversation with Sage Dixon, our elected representative for District 1 here in uh, Bonner, Boundary County. So with that, uh, here's the interview with Sage Dixon. Rock on. 
<laughs> Sage, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thanks. It's good to be here. Thanks for coming on. It's good to have you. Yes. Um, and uh, I really was excited to have you on because I've seen you, uh, obviously, campaign. I've seen you, uh, you know, get updates here and there. I think you write something for the paper every once in a blue moon. Yes. And, um, and I've always kind of, uh, just, just kind of like your, you seem very steady and I like that. So I'll just, I'll just say that. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I want to get, get your background. I know you didn't come from North Idaho. No, uh, a state to the South, as we would say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, and, and kind of in the Bay area, is that right? Yes. Right. South Bay. Mm-hmm. Grew up in the San Jose area. Mm-hmm. Um, started my family down there. Met a girl from the Central Valley. Grew up on a big ranch. And, oh, come and on. Our family was growing. We wanted to have something similar to how she grew up. And I had a, a friend in the electrical trade. I was an electrician down there. Okay. And he had family in Heron, Montana and here in Carrywood. And so we came up to visit back in 2000 or it was 01. Okay. And thought this is where we want to be. Yeah. And everything was arranged the next year. And we moved up in October of 02. There's not many places on the planet that people just go like, oh, I want to live there. Correct. This is one of those places. It right? certainly and was. You see people from all over the place that are like, I just, something happened. Yeah, like, it's, I, it's always the long bridge. Yeah, that gets right? you, and, and that is a, a nice reminder when I'm yeah. coming home from being in Boise and when I drive back across uh-huh. that long bridge and thinking, well, I'm happy I'm here. That's and great. not down there. Yes. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's yes. awesome. Okay. So, and, and you were in the military for a little while? No. No. Not okay. myself. No. Okay. I, I tried to get in the Air Force Academy okay. in college, I mean, oh, okay. in high school, and that didn't work out. And so I went and I studied finance, worked in a okay. brokerage for a little bit. But, okay. Uh, no great. military experience. No military. So. Okay. So, um, you know, I, the one thing I will tell you is that you need to review your Wikipedia. Ah, uh-huh. Okay. And, and uh, for some of the elections that you won, it says Heather Scott won them on your page. Okay. Like you, like Heather Scott beat George Eskridge. Okay. So I'm like, mm, that doesn't. Somebody's doing some editing Somebody's there. doing some selective editing <laughs> right. on your Wikipedia. So. I think I saw that I went to Akron <laughs> University as well. Right. Yeah. Yes. I was like, wow, from San Jose and then Akron. Wow. I was born in Ohio. I, and I was so, going to say, you know, that's why that's why I kind of connected the military. Right. Because maybe I'm like, oh, maybe. That was it. Yeah, know. I was born yeah. at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So my dad was okay. in the Air Force when I was born back in Ohio. Oh, but okay. then nine months later, we were back out in California. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have to do a little, have to do some editing. Sure there might be creative editing now that you've mentioned <laughs> right, it. Right. Yeah. Obviously. You know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> they don't say much, you know. Yes. Mm. It's kind of brief. So you, you meet this amazing, uh, amazing Veronica. Yes. And uh, you guys make the move north. Correct. And uh, what did you do when you moved up here? What was your We actually plan? stayed with friends, the, the sister of my friend from California, for about three months. They gave us some good advice. They said, don't move up here in the late fall and try and spend the winter looking for a house. Just right. stay with us for the winter. And that worked out pretty well. And I ended That's up great getting advice, a job yeah. with an electrical contracting company here in town. And then we got our own place. Okay, great. And what did you do after that? You Didn't you go into business for yourself? I did. Yeah. That, that contracting company went under, and that gave a few of us the opportunity to start our own shop. So I think five new electrical contractors started after <laughs> the demise of that up. one. Yep. Right. And so I had yeah. my own business for 12 years and mm-hmm. doing electrical contracting in this district, both Bonner and Boundary County. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. And um, um, what were some what were some things that you um, would say were big takeaways from owning your own business up here? It was a great chance to meet people right. and to see all the far reaches yeah. of this district. Um, part of, of the bio that I put out there is I was 
building large custom homes on the lake, mm-hmm. but also doing these smaller things tucked away up in the mountains yeah, and, and cool. uh, businesses and uh, the colleges and all kinds of different things. So it was a great opportunity to see the wide variety of our district and people who live and work here each day mm-hmm. and to interact with them. What, what was the um, uh, biggest challenge you had as a small business owner in North Idaho? That's a good question. I don't yeah. know if I had a lot of challenges. Okay. I mean, the, yeah. the, when I first started, times were pretty good. Uh-huh. So uh, it ramped up pretty quickly. And I had already established relationships with contractors. And so, and then once people got to know how I conducted myself and my business, it, it right. grew from there. Well, and I think that's a huge, a huge issue in right. be- business in general, right? Is, right. You know, people get to know you by your reputation yes. and uh, the consistency and all yeah. that kind of stuff, whether it's good or bad. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing about small, uh, small, population size is word gets around yes right very like, quickly very quickly so people yeah. will get to know you know what you're about and uh and thankfully i think i benefited from that yeah so if that's I, great some of my fellow electricians would recommend me if they were too busy or if they had to leave town and the recession is what made it really difficult when right i had four or five guys working for me at one point mm-hmm. but when that hit I had to let everybody go, and then the work really slowed down, and I ended up going to work for a contractor in Coeur d'Alene for a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 That was a that was a challenging season. It was. I think for a lot, a lot of people. Um, did that kind of play into the decision-making process a few years later? Because we, uh, we have the recession hit in 08. You ran in 2014. Is that right? Right. Um, yeah. I'd actually run for a couple positions before oh, that. Okay. So when we had the Republican convention, and I believe that was in – eight or ten i forget okay. um, myself and some friends from church we volunteered to work it to do the concessions and refreshments and just right. help out and i did politics in high school was student body vice president and Ooh. all those things in there okay i have to say it's a little eerie how many politicians and i you know just yeah. broadly speaking i like to say statesmen states, not oh, states. Ooh, that's a much better word by the way <clears throat> yeah because that comes with a level of like how you present yourself. That's too. right. So, um, uh, but how many people were in in political office in high school? Yep. I'm uh, you know I've I've sat across from from five or six different people in politics and they all oh, they all say that in okay. high school. Interesting. Yeah. So so you did some politics in high school, right? And then I yep. some nothing much in college. Got sort of weary, uh, not weary, but just well, not you, interested. In you that. started a family. Right. Right. And so I, you know, I think it's difficult to try and do, you know, get married, finish college, start a family, work full time. I mean, all of those things kind of kind of add up. And you actually have a have a good size family. How many kids? We have seven children. Awesome. Yep. There's still three in the house Four out there making their way in the world. Come on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What are they up to? Oldest is a doctor down in California. Okay. He's actually finishing his residency through Stanford right now, and he just awesome. got engaged a couple of weeks ago. So what? that's nice. A gal he met in the residency program. Oh, so so we're excited about that. That's great. Uh, oldest daughter lives in Moscow, was okay. going to college there. Good. Second son is in the Marines. He's stationed down in California. Wow. He's got a, another year on his okay. contract. Think he's going to come back home and finish uh-huh. college <laughs> wasn't maybe the best decision he, he, he made. Didn't like it. Okay. He, he enjoys it in one sense, but it, sure. it's just a, yeah. a different uh, culture, different people that he uh-huh. wasn't really used to growing up in sure. North Idaho, being oh. a homeschool child. Come so, on. yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, that's challenging. Second yeah. daughter is living in Boise. Okay. Got, got her cosmetology license and is starting to be a cosmetologist down there next son is actually with me in the capital this year he's a page in the house of representatives so fun yep and he loves boise so he's probably going to move down there a little bit of excitement of the Uh bigger city yeah i think he'll stay with his sister and then um i have a daughter 
that works at Joel's. Actually, oh, the, the boy that's down in Boise with me worked at Joel's also. But she's probably going to make some decisions about college coming up here. That's she's great. a wonderfully creative young lady. And, oh, that's exciting. And the youngest, she's 15 and just loving life and her friends and Come on. learning. Yep. That's great. That's great. And, and did you homeschool all your kids? We did. Well, the oldest one, no. Okay. But then after that, yes, the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My w- wife and I are homeschooling Quinn, yep. our seven-year-old. Excellent. And, um, and it's a it's a handful of work, but it's such a joy. It is. And the resources you know? are phenomenal now. It's They're, really it's grown, really and especially in our mm-hmm. state. It's quite well, easy to find the help you need. Well, and what's really nice is that um, Lake Pondery School District has one of the only piloted homeschool yes. support programs with the homeschool academy mm-hmm. um and so quinn does that you Great. know once a week so yeah. uh, which has just been just been awesome so i, I enjoyed so. watching that grow when sean woodward was the superintendent uh-huh. and he and yep. i talked about that a lot and how to involve the homeschool community and uh-huh. i think it's been really neat to watch that yeah. it's a good resource for homeschool it's parents huge. if they want to make yeah. use of it and yeah. it's nice that they're working with that community as well what was kind of your motivation behind homeschooling um just to, to input what we wanted the children to have. There, there's right. some different social values that, totally. that aren't always expressed in mm-hmm. the public school setting and, mm-hmm. and other people's values that your children sometimes pick up on when mm-hmm. they become peers. Mm-hmm. And that was a large part of it. And yeah. we use a classical model of education. Okay. So we're really focused on the great books and, and the mm-hmm. Latin and how the mind develops in that sense. And, and the public system doesn't really follow that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you look at um, this desire to run for office what kind of your motivation what kind of drives that you know you ran for a couple of positions before um you uh won your seat um, over george eskridge back in 2014 what was the what was kind of what's kind of your drive for for getting involved I think at that point, a lot of it had to do with the uh, Affordable Care Act okay. and what was coming into the state or, or through all the states at that point through mm-hmm. through that and how we approached it. And a lot of folks in our district weren't happy that we were even enacting a state exchange. And even mm-hmm. though I agree and with the knowledge that I have now, having been a representative of that was probably a better, the best option was not to do it, mind you. But in the sense of where the legislature was at that point, it was far better to have a state exchange than, than, fe- than, than the federal. To give it over to the federal correct, government. Okay. Correct. But that yeah. was a motivating factor in running mm-hmm. against Mr. Eskridge. He made the decision to vote for it, and mm-hmm. a lot of people weren't happy with that. And so that was kind of a focal point of the campaign, right. if you yeah. would. And I didn't think I would win, to be honest. I was asked to run. There was somebody else that was in line to run for that, but okay. she decided she could not. And so on Christmas, she called me <laughs> and said, will you run? And then uh, that's a year before the election. Yes. And, and my wife and I, we prayed about it and thought, is this what we want to do? What happens yeah. if I actually win this? And not really right. knowing what it entailed. Um, but we thought, well, this is another good opportunity to let the public know who I am and how I would handle myself in that uh-huh. position. And uh-huh. so we went ahead and, and went for it. And surprises that I won. Yeah. So that yeah. was uh, and it's been kind of different. My two youngest have grown up with me being gone quite a bit because it's three right. months of the year that mm-hmm. you're in session, but there's a lot of work that goes on outside of that session. I, I, <laughs> you've got to constantly be in contact with people. Right. I mean, you are constantly rubbing shoulders. Yeah. Right? Well, it's important with the responsibility of the office is mm-hmm. the way I look at it. And so yeah. if somebody wants to interact with me or have me speak on something, then I need to do that. And yeah. that happens a lot throughout the district. But there's also work that the legislature still does when we're not actually in session interim mm-hmm. committees. And, and I've yeah. been on a few of those. And so sometimes I'm in Boise two, three times a month. 
which takes away from your family right. time a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that makes it that makes it difficult. Um, so politically, you registered Republican. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about um, kind of. There's a broad range of Republican today, um, right? Because we've got more of a, um, a populist uh, version um, where it's, and I, I don't like the word populist, but um, you've got people who are, are really um, far right, um, very in, in the sense of conservatism. Um, and then you've got this more moderate group, and then you've got what seems to be a more populist group. Um, and so you've got kind of a broad range. How do you define yourself in that sphere, or is it in kind of an issue-by-issue issue basis? That's a really good question. That's a tough question. It I, is, I dwell yeah. on that quite a bit. Um, I, and it's hard because most people share the same bedrock values as far as the Republican Party, Correct. but there has yeah, been I would agree with a that. push in recent years to go more mm. on the libertarian side of things, Correct. which is... Um, it can be a bit reductive in the sense of government's <laughs> role and, yeah. and government should be limited with small government, free markets, yep. you know, personal responsibility, all of that is right in the Republican platform. It but is, there are yeah. certain individuals that have come in the party that are trying to push even beyond that to, yeah. to no government. Yep. And um, that that's how I kind of define that. And even though there is still a spectrum of a more conservative, which preserving traditional values and, and what our country was originally intended. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to call somebody a moderate that may not have a problem with government growing a little bit in order to serve the, the public more. Um, mm -hmm. Those are that's where yeah. those debates yeah. come in. But yeah. um, it's a concern of mine that's the somewhat destructive side of the libertarian end of our party. Sure. If I can yeah. say that. Um, no, that's a that's a great way to put it, because. Um, you know, there's, there is a, a, a fear that kind of seems to run the libertarian, more libertarian side of if we give an inch here, we're going to lose all of it. Right. And I think it's a mindset of what we call slippery slope, right? Like, yes. so if this inches like, and you do see it over years that you do you take it's a little there. bit, it's absolutely it's, there. And especially there, when you're in that you know, building yep. and dealing with the bureaucracy, it's there. The, and it's like the, the bureaucracy itself is an all-consuming thing, right? It, is. it just eat, keeps eating, keeps like They want eating, to grow and, and can, take more, yep. uh, broaden their yep. scope of, mm -hmm. of influence throughout the state. And they're not mm -hmm. focused on serving the citizens, but, but further in, in uh, growing their department or okay. whatever that is and, yeah. and extending their influence. Right. And there's a, a stark reality there. And that has become a, an even bigger battle, actually. I've seen that rise up mm. a lot more this year. Okay. And... Um, we have oversight of the rules. I don't know if you understand that process. That no, was, I would love to love to hear. Tell, so tell me about last it. year there was a battle between the House and Senate, right? And we wanted to do something that that would have allowed us to ha the legislature to have more oversight of these rules. Now, two years ago we put in a constitutional amendment to protect the right of the legislature to oversee the rules that the executive branch promulgates is the big fancy word we use. They make the rules. Right. We pass a law saying we're going to build a table. They're the ones that say, okay, well, this yep. table is going to be round and brown. And yep. we'll say, well, no, we well, want it. And federal government works like that, right? Correct. But there's no oversight. There's Congress no oversight. has no oversight. That's and that, right. that's a yep. big problem on the federal level. I agree. And yep. we're one of three states that actually yep. has oversight. So wow. it's okay. rare. Um, the, they come back to us the following year and say, here's how we intend to implement oh, wow. this law. Okay. And we'll say, Okay, that's reasonable. That's somewhat we intended, or no, that's wow. not what we intended. That makes so much sense. <laughs> that makes so much sense because um, there's a reason why Idaho is is as conservative as it right. is, and I think that's probably the check on 
it the is. bureaucracy. It doesn't work that smoothly. <laughs> it, it's still a check, but um, <laughs> essentially you need <laughs> you need both both the House and Senate okay. to agree if uh-huh. you want to say we're not going forward with the rule. So what has been happening recently is the House, which is considered more the 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 wilder end of the building. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll say, we don't think this is a good rule. And you recently saw that with, with the common core hearing, yeah. we were able to go back this year and I can talk about that more, but go yeah. back and look at all of our rules because of the, the battle we had with the Senate last year. But, um, so they rejected it, but then these, these same agency heads will think, okay, well, this argument didn't work here in the house. We're going to present this differently in the Senate and then we'll get it through. And then everything's good because it only okay. takes, one body essentially wow, to, to approve them. Mm. So what we were trying to do is say there's a single body rejection. We as the majority caucus agreed that we want it to be if one body doesn't like it, similar to legislation, then that's it. That rule doesn't go through, needs to go back to them, and they need to implement a new rule. Or wow. Uh, so that's, rule. they're kind of gaming the system a little they bit, are. right? They okay. are. Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating for mm-hmm. a lot of us in the House. So what's the um, – um, do you feel like that is – is oh so, okay so now where, where did that end up so that ended up that the senate didn't agree with our perspective on that and oh, right we had what was termed colloquially the going home bill which is where we reauthorize all the rules that have ever been ex- in existence we sent that bill to the senate but in there we said it's only going to take one body and they said no we don't like that we took it out and when they sent it back to us we didn't address it. We didn't pass it. It just essentially what we say it died in the rotunda mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. in between both bodies. Mm-hmm. So that meant that every rule in the state of Idaho expired on July 1st of 99. I mean, 19. I'm sorry, 2019. Now, they can institute temporary rules. So this is really right. exciting okay. for a lot of people, maybe on that libertarian side of the perspective. Oh, there. yeah, yeah. No, and, you saw um, some people like, finally. Right, and I'm yeah. part of some national state legislator groups, and there was other states that were super excited, and I would give some talks on this over last summer about what happened. And, okay. um, the governor has the ability to institute temporary rules. So even though everything officially died, everything that's important to public safety and, and mm. how the state functions is able to keep going. Correct, yeah. But they're still temporary, and then we – have to reauthorize those come the next year. So in 2020, that was what we did. And normally, this is a two-week process, but we're a month into this and just finishing up. And and on the committee that I'm in in charge of, the business committee, we had over 100 of these dockets to go through, dealing with real estate, banking, credit unions, insurance, all these things. Wow. um, Because now everything needed to be reauthorized. Mm -hmm. So... That's a constant battle that goes back and forth, and that's somehow that we do have a check on that bureaucracy, but it, things go through the cracks sometimes. Yep. But yep. Th- that's what gave us the ability, or the education committee, the ability to go back and look at their, our education standards, of which okay. Common Core was wrapped up in, and the House said no, but the Senate said yes, and so we still don't know where we are come the end of this session. Well, um, um, what... Uh, what do you say to the people who felt like the, that was just a power grab by the House, right? Because I think that was something that sure. kind of came up in the that I was hearing in the conversation right. around that. Um, I've spoken with some senators because it's mm-hmm. easy to assume, as you and I were talking earlier, you yeah. can assume things about people and what their, their motives motive, are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, I have good friends on that side of the building, our, our current senator and, yeah. and our former senator. Mm-hmm. We're both friends of mine and we worked well together. but. Uh, I was speaking with the senators that deal directly with the committee that I deal with, the business committee, and over in the Senate, it's commerce, and how do we work this out? And I got their perspective on why they didn't think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. One of them was just, well, we've always done it this way. Why change now? Right. I think, well, sometimes you need to reform. Other things come to light, yep. and you'll know that it's time to reform. But 
they thought that those rules didn't really have the effect of law. That was a contention we were making, that people are bound by these rules. We write the law, and then the rule is what expresses the law. And so we said okay. it's essentially law. And they said, well, no, it's not law, because the law is the law, and this is just how it's working out itself. And it was kind of a nuanced, weak argument, in my sure. opinion. Well, and that, that is a, that, it's a difficult argument, yeah. I think, to make, because if you break the rule, right. it's like breaking the law. It is. You know, that's what they're going to hold you to. And whoever is in charge of enforcement is going to look at that rule, not the overarching law that is above that. So I work a lot with um, Idaho Housing and Finance, and they have an administrative plan that is their rule book um, based on HUD's rules. So um, HUD gets funding for a program. um, And once HUD then has an allocation and they've got a basic program, then HUD actually has to create rules around the program right. and around the money. So the bureaucracy is creating all of the rules. Right. Now, they have full enforcement power. Yes. <clears throat> they, it's not like, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's not like you can just be like, oh, no, I'm not going to follow that rule. No, you do that, you lose your funding, you're going to get fined, yes. you're going to lose. You know, I mean, you know, following the rules is, is critical in government. Correct. Otherwise, you're out of compliance. You're not, you know, so um, the idea that it's not, like, did they think it was just not enforceable how the rules were? I, I, I don't remember exact the specifics okay. at this point, Chris, but that was, yeah. that was the essential of it. That, okay. that they're not quite as strong as the House was asserting they, they were as those rules right. because okay. there wouldn't be a rule without the law. <laughs> but at the same time, you just described yeah. very accurately what our perspective on this yeah. is. That's yeah. fine. The law says this, but this is who's going to hold you accountable That's to right. it. Yep. And these are what they say. Yep. And therefore, it's appropriate for us to have that well, oversight. And, and, and what type of authority does the bureaucracy have to enforce the rules? Right. And, and I think that might might be different per bureaucracy. It is. Right? Yeah. So Sometimes yeah. it is all encompassed within that agency where they do become very similar to what you're describing mm-hmm. with HUD. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that will bring you up on charges and make, make the judgment at the same time. That's right. And we try yep. and push back on that quite a bit so okay. there's some separation. Yep. And we had an issue in the business committee just like that, that the Department of Finance was kind of funneling things more into the director where they would make that judgment and then, uh, well, I mean, okay. the initial assessment uh-huh. of, of an inerrancy or an errant behavior, and then they would also be the judge part of it. And so we're having to kind of wow. rewrite that at this point right. um, in dealing okay. with Credit Union mm-hmm. Act and things like that because uh, the committee wasn't happy with it and um, one credit union wasn't happy with it, but that sure. was enough to change the committee. So I'm working with the parties now to try and fix that language so it can go through because all of our accreditation for credit unions hangs on this wow. piece of legislation here. Wow. So, yeah, it's interesting. So um, let's let's spin this back just a little bit mm-hmm. because we were talking about um, there being a, a little bit more of a libertarian. Uh, I think here in this area we definitely have more of a, a hard libertarian side, at least a group that leans towards no government, you know, like – get the government out of, mm-hmm. out of everything. Um, and not that I, I don't have any, you know, for most issues, I, I think, you know, we're better off in an open market, but, um, and, you know, just how, leaving, leaving people to figure it out. Right. But, um, when you look at, um, the kind of the tenor of the state, right. I mean, we know North Idaho, we're, we're, we're we've got a unique reputation Yes, we do. Uh, and we've, <laughs> um, and we've got, um, kind of an attitude, um, of independence up here that might, I think is stronger than uh, other places. Yes. Um, 
So when you look at, you know, Bonner County versus down in Boise, what are the differences that you see in uh, kind of the tenor and the attitude of, of what makes this, you know, what's the differences there? I, I think it would be what you expect from a small rural area versus a larger a large, urban area. Okay. And, and yeah. the politics that generally go along with that are, are identical. What you would see from middle America and then the coasts mm-hmm. are very similar mm-hmm. for the rural parts of our state. Mm-hmm. And then Boise, Twin Falls area, Idaho Falls, where you get a more... Um, for lack of a better term, socialist perspective in those larger okay. urban areas, and then okay. more of, a, of an independent perspective, a free market and, and Republican conservative perspective in, okay. in the outline areas. And yep. the difficulty there is lower population, higher population, and yeah. uh, larger representation. But not everybody in the, the Treasure Valley down there is a Democrat necessarily, but those mm-hmm. numbers are growing, and I expect you'll see a few more Democrats I think you're right. just because yeah. of the influx of, yep. of our population, yeah. that change that's going well, on. And Boise's growing like crazy. It is. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to manage from a state perspective as mm-hmm. well, just from in- infrastructure alone. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think that's what it is as far as that most people are moving out and that are coming up here and into our area and other rural areas want to be left alone. They're fleeing some of those states that are right. a bit more oppressive. But yeah. I haven't been able to fully define or, or put my finger on why those larger urban areas. There's something when you have large groups of people together mm-hmm. that they want more services and more government intervention and things. And so those programs that are more mm-hmm. on the socialist scale of politics mm-hmm. okay. tend to come up there and drives then state policy a little bit. Okay. I, um, I don't. It'll be a long time before this state goes back to being a Democrat state, I believe, but you're going to see some inroads mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. And of course, wherever you have a college, for some mm-hmm. odd reason, that also becomes a, a bluer some area, as reason. it were. <laughs> yep. Some odd reason. I think, um, yeah, well, you, you know, I think um, the education uh, sphere, uh, I've got a really good friend who um, does education consulting for uh, high schools and, and kind of uh, um, he does a lot of very unique education um uh platforms with specialty charter schools and things like that which is which is Mm -hmm. has a lot of fun but it it, you know it's amazing to see the you know from his perspective how um one uh one mindset seems to drive academia you know and so it's it's and i think that's a general complaint from most people on the right yes. you know is that the the most education uh when we say liberal arts it's it's moved to being something that's that's not just classical liberalism right. but it's moved more um into a socialistic sure. kind of kind of mindset so you use the word socialist um policy and, and around that a little bit can you define that a little bit more um, from your perspective, what does that what does that mean to you? Because uh, I think some people it's a pejorative, some people it's right. a positive, some people it you know. So what's that? What's that really? When you say that that there's some policies that are more um, kind of yeah. moving towards a um, using that word socialist, what? Because that's a big it's a big thing. We got we got our front runner in the Democrat Party right now is is not uh, not even labeled a Democrat. He's independent. He's a Democrat, Democrat socialist. So, um, what's, what, what does that mean for you? And maybe not, how do you define that? Maybe not the best term, but that's what what came to mind. And I don't intend it as a, as a pejorative in that sense of what we were talking about. And sometimes it'll be something flippant to throw out there, you know? Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't try not to do that. Um, just, uh, policies that tends toward more government control and centralization of government and, and Mm -hmm. lowering the responsibility of individuals. And generally, you find small individual groups that will take advantage or, or make use of the government to enforce okay. what they want. 
So it, it, it decreases that personal responsibility okay. and, and mm-hmm. neighbors dealing with neighbors, really, that if you're my neighbor and I don't like your, the way you, where you've parked your truck, well, then I'm going to go to the county and say, hey, I want some ordinance here to make sure he doesn't park his truck so close to my property line or something to that effect, as opposed to going to you and saying, hey, neighbor, this is kind of an obstacle for me at this point. Yeah. What do you think about that? But using government to enforce your perspective, okay. I think, tends in that direction. Okay. And then the growth of government mm-hmm. and lessening of, of the personal responsibility that people right. have or their ability to have choice in what they want to do. And that speaks a little bit to the education system right. as well. And that's a battle we have yeah. as far as expanding that choice so parents can direct their child's education more. You know, um, hey, Annalie, can you just run over and hit the stand, uh, the standby button there? Because it is starting to feel a little chilly. Or hit the mode. Great. That'll <laughs> kick back on. I know. I saw you grabbing that. and. <clears throat> Are you are you good on team? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. I'm fine. I'm just that, that socialist question. There's so much wrapped up in it, and I try to not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in interviews, I, I try always not to be offensive, you know, or, right. or pejorative, like you said in that. So I, yeah, I totally um, agree. Trying to explain that accurately is difficult sometimes. Yeah, and you know, one of the biggest challenges that I see is the the issue that we talked about right when you came in um, about you know we attribute motive. Um, to people, I think, far too quickly because yes. we just disagree on an idea or a topic. Correct. Um, one of the reasons why we're doing this show is to kind of pick some of this stuff apart a little bit uh, because um, one of the things that I see happen so often is that because I don't like your policy, I assume you're evil. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I thought, you know, man, we need, we need to actually hear people's story, you know, get to know people better right. and all that, because, you know, we're, we're neighbors. Absolutely. We're, we're in this together, whether or not you like the policies or not. Um, and, um, and, uh, you know, one of the people that I've really gotten to know fairly well, that I just love spending time with is Shelby Rongstad. Mm-hmm. You know, great guy. I really enjoy enjoy being around him. We have great conversations, um, and uh, we've we've had had one on the on the uh, in the chairs so far. Yes. So we'll have another one. But um, you know, we don't line up politically on a lot of issues. Right. But man, you know, we can be good friends. Yeah. You know, and I think that uh, being able to break down some of those barriers yes. when you see people for who they really are is really important. And and I think. Um, one of the things that I really try to do is understand, and I th- I'm hearing you, you like even in the conversations with the Senate, um, on okay, help me understand, right? Why why do you see it this way, and and help me do that? So, uh, what role does curiosity play <laughs> in your decision making? Um, a lot because I like to be sure of what I'm making a decision on. I want as much information as I can get, and it mm-hmm. may not be exploratory curiosity, but more information gathering in in that sense, because topics are much broader than you assume. And and, uh, something I learned early on when I was elected, you have a certain thought process and you think this is the way it is, and I'm going to go down there and do this and this, and then the bottom drops out. If you are an intellectually honest person, um, to hear the full breadth of what an issue is and both sides of it and yeah. then to to be open to thinking at least about an opposite side or why somebody's promoting this or why it's been doing it a certain way mm-hmm. 
and then balancing it with what my principles are and what my preconceived notions about this are and then trying to get a full yeah. picture to make the best decision possible mm -hmm. for not just our district but for the whole state mm -hmm. and and because i think that's what good policy is it should benefit right. everybody or protect everybody not individual groups how do you how do you move from gathering all that information to trying to gain agreement with people because if essentially if you're going to get something to move right you got to get agreement right how do you go about that process um sometimes it's easy and you just know sure. the majority's going to go with the idea and, it, right. and it, then it becomes small nuances to to help it generally it's what's going to help it get through the senate from our perspective in the okay. house okay. because they view things differently totally different right. body and it's the importance of that bicameral system mm -hmm. to protect things yep. and not let ideas rush through um so it is well how are we going to do this in the senate how do we present this to them so you go talk to the senate a little bit or difficult topics you go talk to people that may be on the different side of the issue or, or mm -hmm. even within your own party and hear what those problems are that they have right. and well what can i do how can i improve this or what information do you have to, to right. keep the core of what you're trying to promote mm -hmm. but maybe alter it a little bit to make sure that it's going to progress yeah. and s serve the purpose that you wanted it to yeah so so what are some of the some of your big hot button issues what are some things that you're like i am super passionate about that um those have diminished a little bit since I've become a chairman okay. of the business committee. And that's because it is a management position at this point. Okay. And, and some people will say, oh, I'm in leadership now. And so I'm just doing what the speaker tells me. And it's this great position of power. But what it is, it's a lot of work of scheduling and managing and, and having people come in and ask if you'll hear the bills, which I think is important to do that with every legislator. Some mm -hmm. agencies come in or lobbyists and I'll say, go find a legislator because that's our job, not theirs. <laughs> but Going over the bills, thinking of how it's my committee will receive these, giving them advice on how to rewrite them, and then managing that committee. Okay. And it, there's there's a lot of work there, Chris. So yeah. where I was running yeah. a lot of legislation my first four years, right? Um, well, the first the first two I ran a lot more. The second term. I was on the budgeting committee, which sucks up a lot of time also. You're just in that, that room and <laughs> isolated with them. Yeah, that's, um, that's, yeah. And then now that I've been made a chairman, it's just a different role within the legislature. So I don't have a lot of time. I did run a pretty intense piece of legislation last year, and it was something mm -hmm. I felt passionately about. Mm -hmm. And I think and what was uh, it? that had to do with our ballot initiative process. Mm -hmm. And right. I think it was too open, and it's a national movement to go into red states and change policy that the legislature would not do normally. The elected representatives of the people don't choose to do this, but through the ballot initiative, and that goes back to our population centers and how they are reflected of, okay. of certain political policy, um, a strict democracy, and that the majority vote then is setting policy, yeah. which is not our process. So no, we're actually a republic. Correct. Yeah. And, so. and then all these checks and balances yeah. that go into the whole process with the bicameral system and yep. the, the separation of powers and all yeah. that to get good policy for a state. Well, that just waylays gets, all of that, just yeah. goes straight to a majority vote, and it's easy to put out misinformation when you've got the dollars mm -hmm. behind you. Anyway, don't yeah. need to go into that. But no, okay. I felt that was important. That was a big struggle. The governor ultimately decided he didn't want to pursue that um, legally because in, undoubtedly it would have gone to court. Yep. And he took some advice for some, from somebody that he trusted and decided to veto it. So it went nowhere. I'm not pursuing that this year. Uh -huh. Okay. I did run a little bill to try and tighten the definition of neglect that dealt okay. with child protective services. Um, so it wasn't so broad because right. if, if I am homeschooling my children, you may think that I'm harming them and not That's sending right. them to the public system. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen, I've seen CPS, um, up here, uh, called on, on families at home school, you know, families in my church. You right. Know? It's interesting. You're like, right. And, and 
to my detriment and to the bill's detriment, ultimately, it was held in committee. I didn't put enough time into it. Uh, okay. Um, gentleman from our district was working with me on it and gave okay. some good definitions. He did a lot of the legwork, and I saw it very clearly from my perspective. Mm -hmm. This is where I did not go talk to my colleagues because mm -hmm. to me it was a simple change. It wasn't saying they have no authority. It wasn't saying the right. parent can do whatever they want. Right. It just it gave a, a, a more tight definition of neglect because okay. it was pretty loose. And we worked with Lewis Marshall, our mm -hmm. county prosecuting attorney, yep. and his office gave us this language. And it was language that was in the Health and Human Services Bulletin on Child Protection. Right. It seemed pretty straightforward. So it, it did. But yeah. uh, the committee saw it differently. And there yeah. is one committee member that is really set again, uh, for taking out those protections on the faith healing community that's down in okay. Canyon County yeah. because yeah. that's in the same portion of statute. Okay. And when he saw what I was doing there, he spoke up about that in committee. And I think that went broader within okay. that committee than I was aware of. Okay. So I should have pursued that with sure. them a little more, but I didn't have a lot of time. There's been some yeah. large issues through my committee mm -hmm. this year. Um, but now at least I know going forward yeah. that I'll go talk to these. I've already spoken to a couple committee members. I should have interacted with CPS more. I talked to the director of health and welfare and told him kind of what it was. And he said, well, that sounds fine, but I need to go get some more statistics and interact with the, the child okay. welfare division of that to, to go forward because I think we can do yeah. this. But yeah. um, to your point of working with people, I should have laid more groundwork before I came before the right. committee. But in my mind, it was very clear and not harmful, but they saw it as a potential harm. Actually, mm -hmm. on the way over here, I read a tweet somebody wrote about me and saying Whoa. that I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing uh -huh. trying to relax the, the restrictions on the faith healing community. And there's okay. really no restriction, but that was not the point of this bill at all. It right. was what we just discussed. Yeah. You know, some parents like natural methods for healing, and if yep. you're in a medical facility, they might call child welfare on you right. because <sighs> they don't agree with what you're doing in that sense. Yeah. And so those are decisions parents have to make, but we yep. still need to protect the welfare of the children. No intention at all to, to remove those yeah. or limit those. It was more to broaden the choice and mm -hmm. just you know protect those individual things that aren't harmful. Right, and and I think there is a there is a an issue if someone's homeschooling but they're actually not doing any education and they're neglecting their child in the sense of they're working full time and their kids just sitting at home all day. Right, are those the type of situations that you think might be might be something that you go mm, is that neglect is that yeah i would you know, look long I mean, and hard at that it's in my yeah. opinion there'd have to be something else and what right what this language said is the child was in danger of harm or, or okay. imminent or that serious harm was imminent yeah so something that is harmful yeah. and neglect statute is a bit different than abuse also and, and correct yeah. those are being conflated and that's a little why bit. you got to define it better Right. Yeah. So uh, that's good. that is a poor parent that is not educating their child if they're saying they're homeschooling and taking advantage of that ability that we have in Idaho mm -hmm. to freely make that choice. Yep. They're doing a great disservice to their child. Absolutely. I, I still have a hard time saying that's the state's that's responsibility to go correct. in there. Um, <laughs> yep. and, and even that faith healing community. I don't uh -huh. agree with that, mm -hmm. but that's a decision they have to make and they have to live with at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, so that those are how I look at that, Chris. Yep. I mean, if they if their yep. child is malnourished and dirty all the time, and obviously being neglected, that's something different. But, yeah. But just that, that's a, a poor decision by a parent. Right. And, and and you know what's funny is we are all really good at parenting other people's kids. <laughs> I have a hard time with my own. So. Yeah. Right. You know. Uh, well, I wouldn't you, let my kid. You're act right. Like Absolutely. That, you know? You're right. Like, yes. Eh. 
right. <laughs> and, and, and to your other point, you're getting to yeah. know what's really going on there. Yeah. Because that parent may care deeply and that child yeah. may be just fine, but from the and outside we, we appearance. Also, yeah, we also have to give we also have to give opportunity for what's going on behind the scenes that we have no idea about. Right. Right. Yeah. And part yeah. of this motivation was a lot of the investigations that happened turn up to be false claims. True. So it was an efficiency yeah. aspect to help health and welfare put their resources towards true claims okay. that do need more investigation. Yeah. Cool. Um, see the rabbit trails go, yes. I'm telling you, they just, <laughs> they just, they just move us along. Um, so looking at, um, uh, your next election, uh, when is that coming up? Is that it's this year? I thought so. Yep. Okay. Every two years we're up mm -hmm. for reelection. So every even numbered year and, and you're running again. Yes. Okay. And, um, what do you enjoy about being in Boise and, and doing this work? That's a really good question. Sometimes I think, do I want to keep doing this? <laughs> hey, if you're going to run again, you got to enjoy something, um, right? You know, got to have something. I, I enjoy the the puzzle solving aspect of it or the problem solving. That's mm. something that, that I really enjoy and, and the, the intellectual rigor mm -hmm. and learning things and trying to promote my perspective on things and debating. Um, and I prefer more of a one-on-one, -on -one, although sure, I, I think I've become fairly adept at public speaking at this okay. point, but Good. it's not always my my favorite method, but you mm -hmm. have to do it <clears throat> and, and presenting things on the floor. But mm -hmm. I prefer discussions like this with my colleagues right. or small groups and working on things to affect a better change. Or sometimes it's to protect mm -hmm. against bad legislation or really to find out what's going on in the state. So I enjoy okay. that part of it. Um, Sometimes I think we run too much legislation. We've got roughly 350 new laws that come into effect every year. Wow. And we rarely go back and pull them out. But part mm -hmm. of the Governor's Red Tape Reduction Act, and right. that helped. That. We, we yeah. are getting rid of things and making it easier to work and, and to run a business within the state, which has been mm -hmm. a nice, refreshing change. Well, I will tell you, uh, my wife's a naturopath ah. and, um, and an actual actual. Um, licensed doctor. Mm -hmm. um, most naturopaths in Idaho are not licensed doctors. Right. Um, and I'm, I don't know what, what role you've played in that, but um, to have licensure coming up for actual licensed doctors that are naturopaths is fabulous okay. for the state of Idaho because it's a protection issue. Right. You know, you have so many people that, uh, so I was so glad to see that because you have people that come from another country and they're looking for an ND. They're looking for a naturopathic okay. doctor because in other places they can write prescriptions. They can draw blood. They can do tests. They can do anything a normal doctor can do. Mm -hmm. They have the same level of education as an MD, but they focus on natural, uh, whether it's herbs or whatever it is, you know, for, for some of those, um, some of those things. And we found when Mika moved there was no license in Idaho. Right. Anybody can label themselves an ND. They don't have to have a, they can get a diploma from online or yes. from someplace and get this like, oh, I'm a naturopathic doctor. And I think that can be a little dangerous. Yeah. Um, so that's something that's difficult for us. And most of those licenses come through the business committee. Except <laughs> when they deal with, with medical issues, they will go through health and welfare committee uh -huh. because there's more knowledge there and it's specific. That yeah. According to the title of the bill and mm -hmm. what statute number it falls into determines what committee it goes to. So yeah. because I fought a couple times saying sure. that's licensing, it needs to come through the business committee. But the chief clerk would say, no, it's under this title, which has to do with medical. And uh -huh. so it's going to health and welfare. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'll back down. But uh -huh. um, it, it is very tough for us, especially in the business committee, to mm -hmm. institute a new license. Because oftentimes it becomes 
a, a protection against others entering Correct. an industry yeah, it or, actually or a trade. Suppresses people right. So so that issue yeah. it was about three or four years in mm-hmm. the making when it, it first came we've, in. We've been we've been fully involved. Right. Yep. And there's I don't know if your wife contacted me, but I had a, I an, another so. ND from our district here, mm-hmm. maybe two, mm-hmm. contact me, and it really go in depth about the importance and what you were expressing. And, and as we shaped that and people talking about it, it became, yep. well, it's a voluntary licensing, that it's not excluding somebody else. And that right. was the important part well, of that. And it's and a different to, title. You know, right. they're going to give it a different title. Right. Uh, uh, well, it'll be a, a naturopathic medical doctor, so right. NMD versus an ND. But um, yeah, so I, I, I just was good to see that because I feel like a lot of people are looking for help and they're looking for right. things. And, and it's those options. You know, and I think that's yep. important. Yep. Right. Yep. We, we've used naturopaths before, so I'm, yep. I'm familiar with it. Yep. And that gave me more comfort when we put that nuance in the language that then I could vote for it because I wasn't really in favor because of right. what I've seen. Uh, we well, like, again, it's growing bureaucracy. Right. You know, right. Because then there's a whole new board. There's a whole yep. new board that now mm-hmm. has to come into underneath our occupational licensing board mm-hmm. and they're going to ask for more dollars and they're going to want to raise fees and because that's the natural progression of the bureaucracy yeah. in doing that. <laughs> um, and then we have to battle with them and, and all these uh, things. And that's part of our role too <laughs> in doing that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, we license sign language interpreters. And that to me was a bit egregious, but the, the, it took four years, but the lady did her work, okay. the one legislator, and giving some extreme examples of the need for it. But that that's an instance where it probably wasn't necessary. It's okay. more of a, of a of a buyer beware situation there, mm-hmm. even though there may be extreme examples mm-hmm. of harm. But that community is very happy to have it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's somewhat what we look at licenses and thinks, is this necessary? Mm-hmm. And, and especially now with the new governor, when we're trying to right. go away from all this licensing and make it easier for people to come in. But yeah. in that case, it, it helps yeah. the, I, those you know, individuals. I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, but I think it's good for people to know, wait, are you, can you, prescri- can you, right. if I want a natural way to get off my blood pressure medication and can I get oversight from a medical doctor that will help me do that? Right. And that's where that, that license helps because you can then prescribe pharmacology. Yes. You can deal with that kind of stuff yep. on a Fully much higher understand. level. Yeah. So, so yeah. it came out well and that, yeah. that's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, what's, um, what's kind of your, um, kind of when you look at, uh, your platform for this next upcoming election, I'm sure you've thought about, uh, some of this stuff, uh, as you, as you look ahead towards, uh, towards running again, what's kind of your platform? What are you, what are you telling the people of Bonner County? Here's why you need to vote for Sage Dixon. Dixon. I think I'm a good servant of the district. Um, and I do look at it as service. It's not mm-hmm. for any notoriety that I might gain. And, and I try and actually eschew a lot You're of that. You're on my show. Well, I know. So, this is know. the pinnacle. So thank you. I've, I've achieved it. <laughs> I'm done. Maybe I, I won't it. run again. <laughs> I'll just go out Wait, on no, top. No, no. We're not going to set that precedent. <laughs> um, I think I've served our district well and, and learned Good. more about what is important to our district, not just the things that are important to me philosophically, yeah. but trying to serve. So not a big fan of the education industry, but I know the importance of it. I'm mm-hmm. not somebody that believes. Yep and pulling out the rug. So I've tried to work a lot with each of our school districts and help them where they need help and advocated mm-hmm. for them down there. Um, being on the transportation committee, my whole uh, tenure as a legislator and trying to get dollars up here, mm-hmm. which is difficult because of all everybody's in the South and, and there's a lot of growth, but advocating for those up things here, up yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, we did some good work, Senator Keogh and I, before she retired for Priest Lake with the thoroughfare mm-hmm. and the Outlet Bay Dam and, and doing that. So not only promoting my principles of conservatism and good government and the okay. free market, but 
attending to the needs of our district and advocating for those and trying mm -hmm. to take care of everybody up here and always being as responsive as I can. I, right. It's hard, and, and the longer you're in there, the more work that you generally have to do. Right. Um, so I'm not the best at getting back with emails or phone calls. No, but you were you were very prompt. <laughs> well, I'm not with everybody. I will admit that, and it's nothing personal. Those individuals okay. just sometimes the list gets longer, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, trying to be responsive and speak to the people in the district when they want to speak to me. Ideas yeah. come to me. There was a lady from Bonners Ferry that called about how child witnesses are used in traumatic cases, and she thought we needed to uh, be able to be used, use video testimony more. But there's kind of a Sixth Amendment, I think, issue there with it facing right. your accuser. Yep. Um, our judges down here allow it. Bonners Ferry doesn't. And some other places throughout the state are like that. So... Hmm. She thought we needed to, to make that more explicit. And so looking into things like that that aren't normally on my radar, but I hear that and I go, okay, that makes yeah. sense. I'm, ha yeah. I'm happy to look yeah. into this yeah. and issues like that I, I enjoy. So that, that'll that be my platform, just cool. that I think I've, I've lived up to what I originally ran on. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to attend to the needs of our district, even if they're not exactly what I'm in favor of. Well, to your point about Mayor Ronstad. Yeah. We don't see eye to eye politically at all, but the city came to us last year. They're concerned about losing their resort city designation because mm -hmm. our population may go above 10,000. Right. So we're talking about a local option tax that I'm generally not in favor of, right. but I know the value of it to our city and, mm -hmm. and the amount of people that come in here for the festival and other events and those yep. costs borne by the city. So a lot. I'm happy to work with them on that. When our population mm -hmm. triples in the summer. Right. So it's not like It's not like we're like... It's just a small community that doesn't have any right. activity. You right. Know? I mean, we go from 40 to 120,000. Yep. And so that's a necessary component to help recoup some of those costs that are yeah. that are borne by the city. And mm -hmm. so happy to work with them on those things. Mm -hmm. And cool. that, that's been a good relationship in yep. trying to make sure that they're able to at least maintain. Maybe I don't agree with all their policies. Sure. But yep. there's a responsibility that goes along with this position. Yeah, and, that's great. And that's the way I view it. Well, um, do you see do you see any one issue um, coming up in the next you know two to six years that you think uh, that that voters and the general public needs to be aware of like hey this is coming in the distance uh, you get to see a lot more things happening right. and, and you may not be able to speak to anything but is there anything out there that you're like hey you'd be really good for everyone to pay attention to this issue right now I think it's more immediate right now okay and there's uh, yeah property taxes okay big conversation for everybody throughout the state and we're working through that okay and a lot of the uh, the troublemakers are the larger cities the larger population areas right. and with their political perspective on how they use those tax dollars that keep going up so yeah there's some proposals out there that our cities and counties don't like because right now it would freeze their the property tax portion of their budget so i'm hearing from bonner county and pondere and sandpoint that don't do that and that also then trickles down to our library districts and fire districts. And right, because they're directly funded. Right, yeah. by doing that. So it would essentially cap them. But um, that's just hanging on our calendar right now. Okay. It did come out of committee. Probably just a bargaining chip to get those bigger cities down there. The threat of this is what we're going to do. And it's somewhat working at this point. But larger conversations are happening between the okay. governor's office and both bodies. And how are we going to solve this property tax issue? Every 12, 15 years we go through this yeah. when we have a big boom and, and growth like we're doing yep. now. Yep. But um, we cannot do, say, a Prop 13 mm -hmm. type issue, which okay. seems to be a logical solution because our Constitution says it has to be equitable taxing. Whereas, so if you're in a home that you bought for 100000 and I come along as your neighbor and pay two fifty, 
your taxes are obviously a lot lower than mine. There's an inequity. So we would have to correct the Constitution to get to something like that, wow. which seems like a good solution for most people. There okay. is a downside you can hear about once you get into the debates. Of course. But yeah. um, that's, uh, we're still wrestling with the whole sales tax on groceries. Um, what seems to be progressing right now mm. is uh, increasing the grocery tax credit, which then gets into a redistribution portion sometimes right. because uh, – yeah. Well, everybody buys food, though. There, there's nuanced arguments there, but it is somewhat redistributive to get dollars back that you may not have spent. And everybody's paying into this pot, and this government's holding on to it until they deem it appropriate to give it back to you. Um, so that's still an ongoing discussion. I think it's going to end up being the grocery tax credit this year. Just That's what the momentum seems like. I also sit on the Revenue and Taxation Committee. Oh, my. We had three. three <laughs> Another one. Yes. Well, we three yeah. committees. Generally, okay. we have three committees. Right. So transportation, business, and then revenue and taxation okay. are what I deal with. Um, three proposals to remove the sales tax on groceries. Okay. Little nuance in each one. And each one did not even get to the process where it wow. got a bill number. Okay. One of them was pulled back by the sponsor. Okay. And I think it was just a showboat move, if you will, mm -hmm. by him. But the other two were serious efforts and, and good efforts to try and, and clearly explain and make it a slow progression to remove mm -hmm. those dollars and where we would make up for that loss in the state. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that going anywhere this year. Okay. Um, transportation funding is another issue with more efficient right. vehicles and, and electric vehicles, but there's still a lot of road usage. And with our increase in population, that, that's going to be a larger conversation. And we're wow. trying to do things like that. That'll be a long conversation going forward Yeah. with... I think over half of our bridges are, are in decrepit um, status at this point, and they have a 50-year life, and they're way beyond that, some of them. So mm -hmm. it's hard to get the dollars right to that, but that'll be an ongoing discussion okay. as the state grows as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are there any, um, any issues that you feel like uh, you're being misrepresented on that you'd like to clarify? There probably are, Chris, but I don't dwell on right. those things. Okay. Yeah, as, as, as they come yeah. to me, I will. And I'm not a big Facebook warrior. I just I see yeah. that as, as fruitless, in my opinion. And mm -hmm. I'm happy to talk to people one on one. And I know there, there was a lot of things floating around out there after last session. Yeah. And I don't address it because it's not true. Uh, things, yeah. you know, uh, impugning my integrity as a representative, <laughs> even as an individual. Yeah. Um, and I just don't address those okay. because I'm, I'm confident in what I'm doing. I'm not somebody that is deceitful. And uh, I'm happy to answer questions for mm -hmm. people when they ask. Cool. Good. Um, last question um, before we kind of wrap things up. I wanted to um, kind of get your, get your take on the role of faith in politics. Um, I know that you're um, a practicing Christian. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think it's, it's just one of those um, questions of, a lot of a lot of Christians struggle with politics today, mm -hmm. in general, um, whether or not they like or hate the president, or whether or not they like or hate uh, their their uh, representatives or whatever. I think um, faith in politics is something that um, is is not talked about often. Right. Um, so I just was curious what your kind of take is from your perspective about faith and politics and the intersection of those things. So I I think it's critical as a person okay. uh, as a strong believer in Jesus Christ, I think it's mm -hmm. important that that influences who I am and how I conduct myself in that building and in this role. Um, not only representing my constituents, but representing okay. my faith. And I think yeah. that's important. <clears throat> and it was foundational to the forming of our nation. I think that's why yeah. we're such a strong nation yeah. and, and most Western nations mm -hmm. going forward. Um, 
there's some principles there. Yeah. There are principles, and a lot mm -hmm. of our government structure is derived mm -hmm. from some of those principles. Um, so that influences the decisions I make, but mainly who I am and, mm -hmm. and how I conduct myself in doing that. And uh, it's been nice. We started a prayer group for legislators the second oh, cool. year I was in there, and we've seen some really neat things happen in there, and it continues to grow, which is nice. And it, it's non-denominational it's not yeah there's no sectarianism in any way that's awesome and people from a, a broad spectrum of of what, what would be termed faith come mm -hmm. and, and pray with us sometimes yeah. i mean it, it's intermittent depending on our schedules mm -hmm. but that's but that right. goes forward um i think it's important that we stay involved primarily mm -hmm. because a lot of christians have withdrawn from the political arena thinking that uh, it'll sully their yep. faith or it's not something we need to be involved with if we become too heavenly minded, as it were, mm -hmm. rather than our responsibility here yeah. and, and to occupy until he comes, yeah, if good. you will. Yeah. So I, I think we need to be engaged more and pay more attention. And as we have not been, we've seen things go in a direction that we don't like and we'll right. complain about it. But we need to get yeah. involved at every level. The things you're mm -hmm. doing, I know... Um, Pastor Osmond is on the water board out there in Kootenai mm -hmm. and just little yep. things like that to to be involved in where there's decision making going on for a broader group of people to mm -hmm. bring that perspective. Yeah, because I think it is a good overarching perspective of good for everybody. It's not yeah. insular or just pointed at people that agree with you. It's it's holistic okay. in that sense. So I, yeah. I encourage everything I can do to encourage young people that are getting into okay. politics. I yeah. speak to the Patriot Academy down there. I spoke to Cornerstone oh, yeah. this year. And try and encourage them to get involved also. Yeah. But always reflecting beauty, truth, and goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, social media, uh, you don't say you're not a Facebook warrior. Um, I'm sure that you have a Facebook page, no doubt. I do. It's a, uh -huh. a pages page for my campaign. For and campaign I, tr I tried. To, I don't even know what the address is. But <laughs> if you look it, up, it'll be in the link below. <laughs> I um, think the Twitter then, uh, is at vote Sage Dixon. Okay. And I have an Instagram too, but okay. I just. I don't I'll do find them. We'll put them in the. Uh, we'll put them in there if people okay. want to follow you or. There'll be more activity with the campaign campaign, campaign coming, coming up. up. I, yep, I do. Um, I do weekly updates. Okay. So if they go on, how the, do they get that on yeah. the legislative website? And if you look up me on the legislative website, okay, they can just add their name to it. Okay. Well, we'll put that link in the uh, description. Okay. Of the episode here, or they can just email mm -hmm. me at sage okay. at sagedixon.com. Okay. And I'll gladly Great. add them, and it just describes what we do each week in a little awesome. snippet. But here's all the bills that we've done on the floor, all the work that's gone through all my committees. And it's a bit drier than other people's, of but course, it yeah. shows you the workload yeah. that we have. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Good. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Uh, say hello to your wife and great family. I will do that, and, Chris. And uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, any other any other thoughts for the Bonner Breakdown people? No, I'm happy to come back if you'd like it sometime, okay. maybe the end of session or, yeah. or whenever. No, that, that'd be great. Uh, you know, one of the things that we really want to be able to do is celebrate um, victories and celebrate things that are going well. Yes. Uh, at the beginning of every episode, we do what's called the good report. Good. Uh, because, uh, you know, those things that are good and kind and, and helpful, we need to put our, our focus and energy yes. sometimes on the good. Right. Um, so uh, so it uh, be good to hear some good reports yes. uh, from Boise when, you, when you've got them. So, all right. Well, Good. We may be putting in God we trust in both chambers. Wow. Over okay. the, the speakers and the pro tems chair. So that may be a good that we can talk about. We'll yeah, see. That's fine. That's yeah, we got, fine. That's got through the house. We'll see where it goes in the Senate <laughs> at this point. So. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you for the and invitation. And look, look forward to talking to you some more. Okay. Okay. Thank you for watching this episode of the Barner Breakdown. Special thanks to Ting and BCHA for sponsoring this show. For more shows or to be a guest, please visit 
barnerbreakdown.com. Have a great day.